0: So that was me applying who I am and then just what irked me about what was currently going on in personal development and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to do it the millennial way. So I told myself I would be like Tracy Ellis Ross meets Tony Robbins. And then two, <laughs> I would break it down in such a way that it would be crystal clear, super actionable and that people could actually get results. They wouldn't just be motivated and then fizzle out. So that was kind of how I differentiated myself because I saw something that wasn't being done in the space and just decided to be the one to do it.
1: You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with another special rewind edition of Side Hustle Pro. See, I told you guys I wasn't going to leave you high and dry with only replays and no check-ins. Now, I'm checking in each and every week before we get into the rewind replay of some of my favorite episodes. Now, I'm recording this on Friday, May 4th, right before I pack. I actually need to put some clothes in a suitcase and get ready to head to L.A. this afternoon. And I'll tell you why I'm going to L.A. in a second. I also have some other really exciting things going on in the next week. First up. I'm getting ready to open the doors for my podcast coaching program, and the masterclass will be on Wednesday, May 9th. So, this masterclass will teach you how I've been able to monetize and market my podcast. So, as you're listening to this, you can head over to sidehustlepro.co slash podcast 101 right now because as this episode is released, the masterclass is happening tonight. So, if you or one of your friends, or anyone you know is interested in launching a podcast, head on over there, tell them about it. Because hey, people hit me up with questions about podcasting all the time. As a matter of fact, people have been sliding in my DMs more and more with like questions for a friend. And this caused me to really like study the podcasting landscape even more than I was already doing. And what I realized is that there are millions of podcasts out there especially from people of color like there's actually no shortage of podcasts by us black and brown folk and the only thing that's missing though is the marketing piece and that's what i want to teach people like you are not going to raise awareness of your show and people are not going to know it's out there unless you know how to market specifically for podcasts um I personally have been able to amass over 900,000 downloads and we're about to close in on 1 million. Um, If you know how to celebrate 1 million downloads, please let me know, because I don't know what to do yet. (laughs) I've also, you know, been able to amass multi-five figures in sponsorship, and I'm just ready to teach other people how, because I do believe that there is enough space for all of us. And I also believe that we all have important messages that we need to get out there, like Pro is an important message. There are other important messages that need to get out there and they're not going to get out there unless you, you know, learn how to um, launch, scale, market your program. So SideHustlePro.co slash podcast 101. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, let's get back to why I'm heading to L.A. So I'm going to the United State of Women Conference in L.A. this coming weekend. And I'm really excited, y'all. So I haven't actually just attended a conference in a while, mainly because I've been really scrutinizing conferences a little bit more. You know, I have to make sure that I know exactly what I'm going to gain from them before I register. A lot of these conferences, I'll tell you a trick. To how to assess conferences, right? Because <laughs> they're, they're usually a lot of money. You usually have to fly. So that's easily like $500,000 to, uh, on top of the ticket cost sometimes to go to these conferences. But how you assess it is, one, are there people there I want to meet? Sometimes I'm going to a conference simply to meet someone. It don't matter what's on the agenda. It don't matter what the sessions are about. I'm just like, they're going to be there. I'm going to be there. So that's number one. You know, if you can afford it and if someone is there that you absolutely want to meet and talk to. The second way I assess conferences is um, who else is going to be there? So it might not be one particular person, but you might be surrounded by like minded people who are, you know, your core group that you need to be around to rise and network with and just learn from. Now, this one, there's a fine line because sometimes, you know, people get into the habit of just going places because they feel like if they breathe the air (laughs) of other people that they will somehow be successful. Nah, you got to sit down and do your work. So if you're just going there to socialize and be a socialite, that is not what I mean. I mean that you are going to build, like there are people there that you want to build with and you want to make sure that you have established a relationship and you know, post-conference will continue to nurture and build with them. Not that you're going out there and you're thinking, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, can we work together? No, 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 no. You're going there to introduce yourself, you know, establish that relationship and then follow up after. So that's what I think of as building. And then the third thing is the actual conferences where you know you will learn something. So assess the titles of the sessions and who is speaking. Are they qualified to speak on this? Like look into their bio. There are sometimes a lot of conferences when they put up their registration page, they don't have any details on what is going to happen. They're just like on the strength of the name of this and our keynote speaker. We expect you to register. Now, I could talk forever about, you know, how ill informed it is to pay for something without knowing what the nitty gritty is. But, you know, make sure if you are going to learn, you scrutinize the sessions and who's leading the sessions to make sure you can actually learn. Because sometimes people like to come up with fabulous titles and then they don't deliver. So anywho, that was kind of a tangent, (laughs) y'all. But I say all that to say, because I'm going to this United State of Women conference and in full transparency, because I did a lot of travel in the month of April, I almost wanted to cancel this trip because I was like, you know, I don't really know what I'm gonna learn and gain from this. At first I was going because Michelle Obama will be speaking and that was it, you know, I, I did number one, I was like, She's gonna be there. I've never had an opportunity to be in the same room with her. I am going to this. The first time they did this, this was an invite only event. This year, you're able to buy a ticket, a general admission ticket, and go. So I said, boom, I'm there. But, you know, as I became kind of weary of traveling, I almost canceled. But then, wouldn't you know it, one, <laughs> I couldn't cancel because the ticket wasn't refundable. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going. And two, If you saw on Instagram, I recently joined a co-working space called The Wing. And while I was there um, the other day, they had a special speaking event with Valerie Jarrett. And at the end, she mentioned this United State of Women conference. And I completely took for granted that, you know, she helped form the United State of Women Org and that, you know, this is something that she's working with as well. But when she just mentioned that she would be in L.A., I was just instantly reminded of the powerful, group of women I will be surrounded by this weekend and how much I want to learn and build, I will probably not know anyone else besides my best friend who I'm going with. And this is an opportunity for me to be inspired. As some of you may know, I consider Sidehouse the Pro to be more than a podcast. I want this to be a movement. I want to one day have our own United State of Women. So I will completely be a sponge in this audience as I take in the relevant issues that people are working on. And I take in other speakers who have things to say and champion. And I start to think of new guests and all of the above. Like, I'm just ready to be inspired, y'all. So I'm so excited about this. And next week when I check in, I'll let you know how it went. All righty. Now, let's take a listen to this best of episode with Courtney Sanders. This is actually one of my favorite episodes because Courtney is just so so thorough. She's an entrepreneur who started making money online by packaging her expertise in productivity systems and goal achievement, and she's impacted thousands of people. But even though she was starting to make first four and then five figures consistently monthly in her business, she didn't just quit her job. She planned it all out. She was prepared and she really set a high, high bar for herself of what she needed to achieve before she would allow herself to quit. So Courtney's episode is one that I came back to many, many times in 2017. I would literally re-listen to this over and over again as I prepared to leave my job. Number one, because it was like talking to a life coach and you'll hear that. And two, it was a reminder that I could not just quit impulsively and expect success. I needed to establish a plan. As I told you guys in my I Quit episode, you know, make your plan, work the plan. And this all started with Courtney's episode. So if you're side hustling right now and at the same time starting to think about, you know, when's the best time to leave your job? This is the episode for you. Check it out. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to welcome a woman whose personal brand I admire and respect a great deal. I've been following her business for some time now and was really pleased when I reached out, cold email, and she accepted my offer to be on the show. So let me go ahead and introduce today's featured guest, Courtney Sanders, better known as Think and Grow Chick.
0: Hello.
1: Hello. Thank hello. you for having me. Of <laughs> course. And, you know, I got to give the people a little taste of your bio just to, you know, let them know how great of a businesswoman you are. So let me oh, just read you. that. thank you. So Courtney is an entrepreneur, speaker, and goal achievement specialist. Through her training and development company, Think and Grow Chick LLC, Courtney provides online and in-person education, Mentorship and Community for Women, Students, and Minorities Looking to Accomplish Big Goals. Courtney reaches nearly 50,000 young professionals every month through her blog and social media platforms. In 2015, she authored the book, Get What You Want, The Ultimate Guide to Figuring Out Plus Getting What You Want in Life, which has since served as a catalyst for several related trainings and programs, including her 2015 live workshop, Launch Your Life. And she's currently on a national tour with finance coach Dominique Broadway called Your Wealthy Year. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Go ahead and fill in in the rest. (laughs) Tell us more. Tell us what I left out more about who you are and your background.
0: Oh, my goodness, man. Um, Well, one major thing that's happened since I um, even wrote that bio was I was invited to speak at the White House to talk about my business and journey, which is like ridiculously insane. Like, I still can't even believe that happened. And, um, it was really funny too, because they were interested in, um, learning from entrepreneurs who graduated from HBCUs, you know, just how, um, we've been able to, you know, grow businesses online and see some success. And so I feel like it's a perfect segue into how I even got started in this, uh, because like, like most, crazy stories for young adults they start in college and mine was definitely no different
1: (laughs) yeah I remember you know I've read and and been following your blog for some time so I was really inspired by that like you kind of had this doubt like absolutely low moment and we're able Mm -hmm. to bounce back from that so talk to us a little bit about that how did you even get started on the think and grow chick path
0: Yeah, so um, when I graduated from high school and went to college, I had a full-ride scholarship to Howard University in engineering, and I kind of always knew I'd be an engineer. I was groomed for it. Um, I grew up in the metro Detroit area, and so Since the fourth grade, my parents were putting me in um, like pre-college engineering programs because I displayed a good aptitude for math and science. And they're like, oh, what? You know, this young black girl is good at math and science. Like, you're going to be an engineer when you grow up. Um, And so in Detroit, all the Motor City, obviously, all the um, car industry, they promote heavily engineering. So it was just kind of like a path that I always knew that I would be on. But it wasn't long before I got to school and I realized that it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, I I felt that it was interesting, but I just in terms of just my creativity and the lifestyle that I wanted to lead with my career, I just was looking for something different, but I wasn't quite sure what that was and how I could best use my skill set. So I kind of went on this, um, you know, we'll call it uh, soul searching, but perhaps my professors might call it just skipping class. And so (laughs) I was uh, skipping class and spending a lot of time in the business school. And um, one day, Lisa Price, the owner of the hair care and beauty brand Carol's daughter was on campus sharing her story. And I remember sitting in the audience and just being mesmerized by this woman and just, you know, everything that she went through, even her trials and tribulations sounded like, oh, man, I would love to, you know, run out of product because uh, I oversold it or, you know, have people mad because they're not getting their orders. Like those sound like amazing problems to have. So um, afterwards, after the uh, speech that she gave, I went down to the front of the room to ask her some questions. And there was another um, young woman who was asking very similar questions to what I wanted to ask. And so listening to her, I had already gotten into my mind that I wanted to start a business and it's kind of one of those game recognized game moments. So <laughs> actually, instead of turning um, and speaking to Lisa Price, I actually turned to the young lady who was asking questions and I was like, yo, game recognized game. Like, what's up? You trying to start a business too? And she was like, yeah. And so that's where my first business, Material Girl Beauty, was literally born. We went to the computer lab like that same evening and started like mocking up names and coming up with logos and all kind of stuff. And so I spent the, the rest of uh, that year really investing all the little money I was making at my internship um, into this product line. And um, again, still skipping class, still trying to meet with quote unquote investors in the city, which I later found out were just guys that wanted to take me and my business partner out to lunch. Oh, so no. You know, <laughs> It was just a disaster. Um, And so we were not business people. We did not have marketing chops at all. And needless to say, we failed to really sell more than a handful of products, even though we spent all this time and money developing like literally 100 units of products. So um, I was devastated that the business wasn't going anywhere. And I was also devastated because all that skipping class was starting to catch up with me and I lost my scholarship for failing to meet the GPA minimum. So I was really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And um, I got it in my mind that I would take out credit cards in order to build my credit because my parents were adamant, like, look, lady, you lost your scholarship. You would either come home to Detroit or figure it out because we're not about to pay for your college education. And so I was in love with D.C. and was like, no, I'm not coming home. And so I thought it would be a bright idea to take out credit cards to build my credit so that I could take out loans. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so, uh, you know, fast forward, I ended up with like three cards maxed out. Um, I was struggling to pay for school and still now cover my rent that I had to cover because I wasn't living in the dorms anymore. That was covered by the scholarship. So I had to like work all these odd jobs. And it was just a a nightmare. And uh, someone in the administration building knew my passion for entrepreneurship and had pity on me. And there was a conference that was coming um, in San Francisco and they were sending out a notice to um, all the different um, HBCUs and other colleges around the country to nominate a female student who would be a good candidate to get kind of like mentorship while at this conference. And so they threw my name in the hat and I was selected. And so I got to go to San Francisco and hang out with 15 other budding female entrepreneurial students, and they really rolled the red carpet out for us. They gave us a mentorship in between the sessions, and we actually got the chance to uh, sit with a life coach. And so I never, I didn't even know what a life coach was, never met one before, didn't know anything, but she kept raving about this book, Think and Grow Rich, and I was really drawn to listen to her because though she was much older than me, her story in terms of feeling rock bottom, um, nearing bankruptcy. Her and her husband at one point almost divorced. Like, you know, I was, I was really resonating with that kind of rock bottom experience that she had mm-hmm. gone through. She had said that the book, Think and Go Rich, had really changed her mindset and really helped her get out. Um, and so I went home and, uh, researched this book. I checked it out from the library because I didn't have enough money to buy it. And sure enough, on the second chapter, uh, I think on the, on the second page of the second chapter, Napoleon Hill, the author talks about the um, process you have to go through if you want to quote unquote, think and grow rich. Mm-hmm. And while the book, um, you know, is about money, it's really more so about success. And so at that time, Though it would have been great to quote unquote think and grow rich. I was really trying to think and grow my grades back up, think and grow back into school, think and grow my credit card debt down. So I just decided that I was gonna apply these principles to every area of my life and see what happens. And so um, right around this time, blogging was getting popular. I had a little experience with blogging because I had started one for our, our fair, failed hair care business because I couldn't afford to create like an actual website. So I just put up this free little blog from a blogger and I said, Well, you know, maybe. Maybe if I get some accountability as I work to redeem my life and um, get out of credit card debt, get my grades and really be successful at the business, maybe I'll stick with it because I'll have people following me and, you know, it'll be embarrassing for me to post my goals and for me to not achieve them. And so thinking of the name of the blog, I said, well, I will, I guess I'm the Think and Grow Chick, huh? Because I'm trying to apply this Think and Grow Rich, um, you know, principles to every area of my life. And that's really how Think and Grow Chick was born and it was crazy because I never intended for it to be a business. I never intended for it to be um, a huge community that it is today. It was almost just kind of like my personal diary, and um, but you know, people found it and they started uh, commenting, and then you know, Thinking go Chick was born. Wow,
1: isn't it amazing how that happens? And it's funny you talk about the story of your first business because a common theme that I'm seeing with a lot of my guests is. For entrepreneurs, your business that makes you successful is often not your first business. <laughs> Whether it was a lemonade stand or like doing hair out of your dorm room, like that entrepreneurial mindset, it kicks in in different ways early on. And it's only later that you can connect the dots looking backward. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, something else you said made me think of Miley Teal. So I just went mm-hmm. to a conference this weekend and she spoke and, you know, she gave kind of all these she kind of broke down what a hustler is in her mind. And one of the things she said was a real hustler sees opportunity in negative or low moments. And that reminded me of you. So as you were bouncing back and teaching yourself, when did you realize you could help people and start teaching what you were learning through this process?
0: Yeah. So, um, I, so I went back home after the conference that year and the conference was in the summer. So it teed up, you know, with the the fall uh, school year and I really just went hard applying these principles, sharing my experience. And, um, a lot of people were starting to notice what I was doing and I I was getting a a small, but modest, you know, modest following, not nearby what I have now, but you know, it was enough where I was getting a little attention and actually that same conference company that are, uh, conference organization that had me come out as a student leader that one year they wanted me to come back as um, you know a student leader to lead the new crop of girls who were coming in and they were very interested in um, how I was uh, creating these principles and um, teaching them in a way that connected with this kind of like millennial audience and so shortly after I went to the conference the second time they gave me an opportunity they I, I didn't even know what uh, this process was. I know it now, but um, they they allowed me to bid on an RFP so you know they created a request for proposal mm-hmm. uh, for the the next conference that would happen that following year and allowed me to de- to develop an entire curriculum, flush out an entire proposal, and um, the job that I was bidding on was worth like seventy thousand dollars, which was like I mean, I was stunned. I was, like, shaking in my boots. I couldn't believe that they even wanted me to, like, throw my name in the hat for something like this. And that's really where the light bulb went on. Like, you got to be kidding me. There are organizations that want to pay money for people to just teach, like, self-help stuff, you know? And I was thinking, well, you know, I did the work to learn these lessons and apply it. But, um, the fact that they wanted someone to package it up and provide it to their audience was just incredible. And so, um, right around that time, it was, uh, the great recession. So the housing crisis hit and the nonprofit for that year ended up losing their funding for the conference. So I wasn't able to, you know, be selected and go forward with the proposal. But just the fact that like me in my early twenties at the time, like, you know was just graduating college at that time was even you know asked to bid on something like that really sparked the light bulb that like I might be onto something here and I should really pursue it as a business and so I started to be more strategic with instead of just like learning things and randomly talking about it thinking more how I can break it down so that others could understand it and create kind of uh, like products and, and different things for other people to purchase um, and really just package up my knowledge and expertise and so that's really where the business aspect of uh, thinking grow chick got rolling. Got it. And so what were some of the first steps you took to
1: start taking thinking, grow chick from idea to brand and start selling that wisdom that you were packaging?
0: Oh yeah. Well, um, the first thing I had to do was get over my fear of putting myself out there and so I talk about this in one of my podcasts that for the longest, I always wanted to do a Think and Grow Chick event, something small, but just anything where I could have an event and have people come out. And um, I re- I literally like did not do this for two years because I was just so fearful of what would happen if I promoted this event and I sold tickets and I put down a deposit on a space and did all these things and then no one showed up. And that fear really paralyzed me for a long time. And so Think and Grow Chick itself in terms of a revenue generating entity did not happen. Until I made that first leap, and it's so funny because at the end of the day, I actually lost money on the event, um, and it wasn't like this like huge success or anything. I think maybe thirty people came, and you know it was still a good event, but it wasn't nearby this blockbuster type thing. But I felt like it was the first step that I needed to make in order to eradicate that fear of taking a leap and, you know, quote unquote, what's the worst that can happen? And so for me, the quote unquote worst that happened was, okay, I didn't make all my money back. I think I lost like three hundred dollars when it was all said and done. But while I was at that conference, it was right before um, Thanksgiving. uh, So this was November 2014. And a lot of the women were saying like, oh, wow, you know, we really need help with gold setting and it's the end of the year and I'm thinking about my new year's resolution. And that sparked in me the idea to come up with my book. So um, for that Thanksgiving week that I was visiting my in-laws and just kind of hanging out at the house and not really doing anything, I was working really hard to put this book together. And so from Thanksgiving all the way till Christmas 2014, that gave me the idea for my first product, which ended up being my workbook. And so I launched it in uh, January 2015 and was amazed that like, people actually bought it. And I was making <laughs> consistent sales. And I was like, I cannot believe I just you know sold my first few hundred dollars of like this book. It was incredible. So I would say that first step is getting over the fear of what's going to happen if I put this thing out there and nobody likes it and just being willing to package up what you know and offer it. That's awesome. So what
1: was the name of this workbook?
0: Oh, it was the uh, Get What You Want workbook. Oh, it was the Get What You Want workbook. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: So what happened after that? Like how how frequently did you release other products or was the ball rolling from then on or did you have starts and stops?
0: Oh man, that no. <laughs> Once I get started, there is no stop. Um, I still have, <laughs> I still haven't stopped. The ball is still rolling as we speak. No, but um, just to see that initial success with the the first initial sales of the book just really kind of like spurred me on. And the fact that you know I did this event and you know I didn't die from it, that kind of got me really excited. So the next thing I did was I put together. Um, uh, well, two things, actually, I put together an event in Atlanta. And also, you mentioned my leak. So at this time, um, my leak had found out about my blog, because I wrote up kind of like a summary of my favorite podcast from her. And I was very strategic and trying to get her to notice it, where um, I put her at symbol, her Twitter name in the actual title. Okay. So, you know, the, the title might have been like my favorite podcast from at my leak. And so as my followers started retweeting, you know, the actual blog post and the link to it, she kept getting hit like you know a hundred times because people were retweeting the name of um, my blog post and so she ended up checking it out and really liked my writing and kind of the work that I was doing and so she reached out to me and was like you know, it would be great if we could do something for the beginning of the year. That would be really cool for, um, you know, our audiences. And so I did, um, a master class with her, which was a Google, a two and a half hour Google hangout, which was really fantastic. And, um, we talked about getting on this path in terms of, um, online entrepreneurship, especially to really launching your business. Even though I was really green to this whole process, one of the smartest things I did when I did that master class was I collected names and email addresses. So, mm-hmm. Um, I, there were, you didn't have to submit your name and email address in order to watch the masterclass, but I had the entire masterclass transcribed so that people could read Miley's words. And I knew they'd be interested in that. And I packaged it up and, uh, into very pretty PDFs. And I said, Hey guys, you know, this guy, this, these notes from our discussion are totally free. The only thing you have to do is enter in your name and email address here in order to get the notes and I'll send them to you once the transcriber is done, you know, transcribing our masterclass. And so from there, you know, all the, people who weren't there for me they were there for my week trying (laughs) to get the notes and that was a great way to introduce all those new people to my brand that I would have missed had I not done that. And so that was perfect because it rolled into this event that I ended up doing in Atlanta. And I was able to market to those people and say, hey, well, you love my league. Many of you are in Atlanta. I'm actually going to be in Atlanta at the end of January. Why don't you come to this event? And so that event was successful. I did it with my um, friend, Natasha Cole, who also runs um, a business called the Go and Glow Project. She's from Atlanta. And so we partnered. She was kind of my eyes and ears on the ground there. Yeah. And- Is that a free event? No, it was a paid event, Okay, and um, yeah, we, we we profited from that event. So my first event was like, I was in the negative, but this one was in the green, so that was really fun, um, and we got such a great reception from that event that people kept saying, oh, why are you doing it in Atlanta? You should come to Chicago. You should come to New York. You should come to all these places, and one of our followers on Instagram, she had uh, mentioned us, and she was like, well, can you just do it online because I'm a military wife, and I'm in Korea or somewhere, or Japan, and it doesn't really matter where you do it because I won't be able to go because I'm overseas. And so that sparked our, another thought. We were like, Hmm, that's not a bad idea. So we stayed up all night, one night, literally for four hours and recorded the entire workshop again, together over Skype, packaged up the videos. And then we offered our launcher life masterclass that we did. And that was like, I would say outside of my book, the first digital product and first launch that I ever did for my business. Mm-hmm. And, um, You know, we, again, made like over a thousand dollars in like 48 hours. And I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, I I felt like I was the richest person in the entire (laughs) world. So what was the price point for that course out of curiosity? Just twenty seven dollars. Okay. And we figured it was a good deal because the actual conference we had charged, I think it was like thirty five dollars if you buy tickets in advance and fifty dollars at the door. So, you know, we were like, hey, it's digital. It's a good deal. You know, twenty seven bucks. And people really took us up on that. So at this
1: point, you wrote that post about
0: my league. What was your
1: email list like? And what was your social media following like?
0: Um, Very, very small. So uh, my Facebook following had was stopped maybe at around, man, I can't I want to say either 1800 or 3000. I can't remember how many fans I had at that time. But I distinctly remember that my Instagram was small. And um, it was about the same size as my email list. And so And Instagram was less than a thousand. It might have been like uh, six or 700. And my email list was 600 at that time as well. And I know that specifically because I had a friend who um, we would kind of Skype and she was a little ahead of me in business. And she would like kind of check in on me and say like, Oh, Hey, how are you doing? And she would always ask like, how's your email list? And before like months previous, I was like, well, I don't even have an email list. I don't get it. Like I'm already writing blog posts. Why do I write, send emails? And she's like, no, <laughs> she's like, no, you need to have an email list. And she's like, look, just work really hard to get your first 600. If you can get 600 people on that list, you'll do good. And so that was like my goal for all of 2015. And so I was really excited that, um, you know, I, I hit around, 600 for both the email and then for my Instagram following. Oh, that's that's awesome. So talk to us about other first steps in
1: terms of did you trademark Think and Grow at this point? Had you set up a business structure? Like what other things did you do?
0: Well, because uh, this whole business idea came to fruition with me um, submitting or uh, responding to the RFP for that company, I did a lot of these business structures ahead of time because I needed to be like instantly legit in order to mm-hmm. for that. Because I knew they weren't going to write a check to me in my name; they were going to write it to my business, and everything needed to be um, together. So, actually, before I even uh, left school that year, when I was graduating um, college. And I was in talks with them about doing this uh, $70,000 like uh, curriculum development thing. I had gone down to um, it's the DCRA and DC, I forget what it's called, uh, Consumer Regulatory Affairs or, and submitted all the paperwork for um, you know all of that and got my, uh, my LLC and all of that set up. So I've had it for a long time. I just wasn't doing anything with it, but it came in handy once I started making money in my business name and you know, needed to get a business bank account and all of that. It was very handy that I had all of those things set in place. Okay,
1: cool. Hey guys, it's Michaela with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear and it's called Skillshare. You wanna know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. You know, we've been talking about Think and Grow Chick, but let's Take it back for a second and talk about the side hustle. Um, Yes. Yes. Because I remember you used to talk about in post like wanting, like the goal was to leave the job. So Mm -hmm. how long did you side hustle before you made the leap? And how did you juggle your nine to five and growing brand?
0: Well, yeah, so we're actually at that point now. So I'm leaving in October, which is really exciting. (laughs) I I cannot believe it. So, um, well, I've been doing Think and Grow Chick. I mean, I started the website in 2009, incorporated in 2011. So I have been at this at, at, for a long time, but I didn't make my first dollar until January of 2015. As you heard, I actually lost money uh, in Thanksgiving 2014. So, you know, I, I didn't make um, any money until January 2015. So when I quit, it'll be 22 months total really on this journey and um, managing. Oh, my goodness. This. Up on the side is like, <laughs> it is It is not for the faint of heart. That's where I am now. <laughs> yeah, that's where I am. Yes. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's totally easy. And you know, everybody can do it. And I do think everybody can do it. But you're going to have to have tight, tight systems. And mm-hmm. so if there's nothing else that I've learned from um, entrepreneurship is self discipline. Mm-hmm. And so I know, for me, if I get up, even at 5.05, like if I get up minutes past five o'clock when I'm supposed to be getting up in the morning, you know, my day is shot because... I really have such a small margin for error because there is so much that needs to be done before work and then maximizing your lunch breaks. And then when you're getting off work and then dealing with clients and then um, having the time to create products. And so um, I've really just been super duper effective with my time, like down to opting to take the bus to work instead of driving so that I can work on my laptop, on my hotspot, on my phone, you know, and maximize that 30 minutes or whatever that it takes me to get there and 30 minutes to get back. So just being extra diligent with time. And I think if you notice how much time you waste on other things, you'd be amazed at how much time you actually have to do these things, but then also buying your time. And I think that's where a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the bootstrap phase get caught up because, when you're first getting started, you're in very much like save money mode. So like, how can I cut corners? Well, can I just do my website myself with this template? Can I create, you know, my logo myself in Canva? It's like, what ways can I save money and just do things myself? But you're going to hit a point if your business is growing, and this is a good thing if you hit it, where you will be totally tapped out. And so I started to see that at the end of 2015, where it was like, I can't do like I can't be the graphic designer, the web developer, the customer service response person and then in my personal life I can't be the maid, I can't be the chef, I can't like I can't do all this. And so um I had to take a leap of faith and I talk about this all the time um in my uh community group that I have online, my accountability group and in my emails cuz I don't think people get it. Like um your, your financial mindset, financial responsibility is, is different, there are different habits when you're in business. Obviously, for your personal finances, you think about like, yes, you want to save money and do those things. You don't want to spend willy nilly. And as a consumer, it can be very easy to think like, no, spending money is bad. Like I need to save everything. But when it comes to business in order to grow, in order to make more money, you need to be wise about it. So you don't want to spend recklessly, but you need to be willing and judicious about what you spend your money on. And so, um, I had to take that stretch of like, this is how much I'm doing now. If I want to do more than this, I have to spend in preparation for where I want to go. And so I started to get Um, a housekeeper coming to the house i hired my first assistant which was like crazy i started um i paid for um, a graphic designer and logo designer to do some initial templates for me so i wasn't constantly recreating the will and i mean it was scary you know spending that amount of money every single month for that help but because I now had someone to answer my email, someone to, you know, clean my house for me every other week, um, all these things, it freed up so much more time for me to grow the business exponentially. And so that allowed me to make way more than what I was spending and outsourcing and, um, you know, grow from there. And so, um, that's really what has helped me really manage the nine to five world and the business world is just being willing to, to, be extra, extra disciplined with the time you do have and then buy the time you don't have by getting outside help. Okay. And would you recommend that
1: for entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who haven't made their first dollar, (laughs) should you (laughs) hold back on getting that help or do what you need to do to buy yourself more time?
0: Um, I would definitely say hold back on getting reoccurring like assistant help or whatever. So I didn't hire a virtual assistant until I made my first dollar. So, you know, you do want to have revenues to support those things. So uh, I put it like this. If you're financing your business from your paycheck at this point, then you want to use that money into things that is going to give you revenue in your business. And then once revenue is coming consistently, even if it's not much, even if it's just $500 a month or $1,000 a month, then use that money to start to pay for outsourcing or outside help. Um, the one thing I do recommend people do like right from the get go and whatever, my husband still thinks I'm like a prima donna for it, but I don't know. I'm just a stickler about having a clean house. Like, I feel like I can't think if the house is messy. Oh my gosh. When my fiance hears this, he's going to be like, she's you. (laughs) it's it's crazy. Like my whole productivity is literally tied to whether there are towels on the floor and dishes in the sink, even if I'm in a different room, it just is. And so, you know, I fought and fought with my husband. I was like, look, I'm about to be going to work every day and not having some of my hard earned hours and, the, you know, the income that I'm bringing in dedicated to what I need to be at peace, you know, at home as I build my business. And so I did fight with him on making sure that I got a housekeeper. Um, now she comes every week. But before when it was just the house or household money financing it. Um, I I lobby for every other week. And so that was one expense I did take on before I actually had revenue coming in the door. But I mean, again, it just allowed me, uh, even if you, if you clean for four hours on a Saturday, imagine how much you could be doing in those four hours when it comes right. to. Your, so I would recommend making the investment in that. Right. And yes, as a side hustler,
1: Saturday is a key day. You just don't have time to spend four hours cleaning on a Saturday. Absolutely not. So speaking of finances, how did you financially prepare for entrepreneurship? So you're getting ready to leave. Like, how much did you save or how much were you earning per contract before you said I'm never or per product before you said I'm never going to look for traditional full time again and I'm leaving my current nine to five?
0: Yeah. So, um, I mean, now we're at the point where I'm, you know, beyond clearing my salary and then and some and all of that. But I think even if your salary is one thing, you need to think about like what you actually need to get by. And so my husband and I, we sat down and we discussed like you know, it's great that I might make, you know, X amount of money at work, but realistically, you know, what is it that we actually need in order for us to maintain the lifestyle or close to it and, you know, still hit our savings goals and that kind of thing. And you'll find that um, it's it's typically a little less than what you're bringing in, you know, if, if you can do without or some of the other things, then you might only need, um, I don't know, 75% or like 80% of the actual salary that you're bringing home. So I would come up with that number. And then um, the factors that I use is I would multiply that number times... Um, about 20% and I do that for, or actually 20 to 30% depending. And I do that to cover your expenses and your marketing. So obviously in business, all the money that you bring in is not all the money that you get to keep. You have expenses. Um, if you have an online business, your expenses are going to be like way lower than it would be if you had a brick and mortar, but you still do have to pay for things. And even now for me, I would say my fixed cost. um, are probably around like $1,000, maybe give or take, or a little more, just with uh, the technology that I use and the software and the different applications that help me run my business on autopilot. So, um, you know, that's to the scale that I've gotten at this point. When I was beginning, it definitely wasn't that. It was probably like, you know, low few hundreds, um, especially when I didn't have an assistant. But just keeping in mind that some of that income needs to be dedicated towards um, your expenses. So that is within the 30%. But then the bulk of that 30% or 20%, depending on how you play with it, it's going to be marketing for reinvestment back into your business. And marketing is huge, especially in the current climate online. You know, the internet is big, but the amount of people doing things on the internet is even bigger. And so Mm -hmm. if if you want to have a fighting chance to be seen online, to be visible, you're going to have to put some money in some sort of advertising, some sort of like paid marketing initiative to get your brand out front. And so you never want to be in a position where you don't have money to reinvest in that. So that's where the 20 to 30% comes in. And then after that, then you want to add another 25% on top of that, and that's going to be for your taxes. So, you know, Again, we go back to not your salary, but what you actually need to like to live on and be okay. And, you know, even if it means ramen noodles, it's, re- it's really about the sacrifice you choose to make in order to run your business full time. But whatever that amount is, then multiply it by 20 to 30 percent, depending on how big your expenses are in your business. And, um, you know, having a little bit for marketing and then multiply that number by 25 percent for your taxes. And that's the number that you would need to clear on a consistent basis in order to be prepared to leave your job. Um, And then in terms of savings, I say, you know, just follow the general saving principles that everybody should be doing regardless um, of whether you have a business or not. So um, I got out of debt in the beginning because I followed like the Dave Ramsey methodology. So I still, you know, have a a soft spot in my heart for, you know, what he teaches because it was very helpful. Um, But he always talks about first and foremost, you want to have like, a super duper like mini emergency fund, which is like a thousand dollars. If you live in a more expensive city than maybe like $2,000 that can just cover you. If you have like your tire blows out or something like that. And then after you get that saved, then you want to have at least three months worth of expenses just in general. And again, this is for everybody, not just those who are entrepreneurs. So I would say, try your best to hit, um, those numbers so that, you know, as you're building your business, there are fluctuations. Um, So some months are going to be like gangbuster months and then other months it's going to be a little slower. And so if you're finding that, you know, every month you're not always hitting whatever that number is that you came up with, then you have some savings to kind of cover you while you're still building your business and getting it to a consistent place. Got it. That was really good
1: advice. Um, But
0: speaking of finances and and
1: still this whole process of structure in your life to get ready Mm -hmm. for entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. When you think about your business and all the different things that you're going to offer under the umbrella of Think and Grow Chick, did you also map that out? Like, do you know how many courses or how many products you want to deliver per month for the next 12 months? How are you estimating your income?
0: Yeah, um, in terms of offerings, that's kind of like loosely determined. I don't have a super hard like, yes, we're going to offer X amount every month, but it's kind of based on... um, the portfolio that i want to have in terms of offering so from a personal development like you know life coaching side and i I feel like my business almost is like a triangle like it has three angles where uh, the bulk of what i do is centered around personal development but i also focus on business development and then um you know money mindset and economic empowerment and all of that so um for the the personal development i just think about what are the pillars that are personally just really important to me. So self-discipline is a big one because it was such a big part of my story. Um having a positive mindset, all of those things, time management because I wouldn't none of this would be possible without excellent time management skills. So those are the things that I'm passionate about teaching women and teaching people in their lives and so I'm always asking myself the portfolio of offerings that I have, does it cover everything that I feel is personally necessary in order for me to fulfill my mission and what I'm doing at Think and Grow Chick? And so even if the answer is yes, meaning, oh, yes, I do have products that cover all of those different things. Do I have the necessary levels for people based on where they are in their journey? So people who are very, very new to this and they're super beginners or um, they're not yet at a point where they can you know invest a lot of money in their personal development, Do I have products that covers all of those things that, you know, is for a very affordable, um, you know, offering? And then for people who want something more robust, they want to work with me for, you know, weeks or maybe even months. I I have one woman who's a business client of mine, and the program she's in right now is six weeks, and we just had our first call. And she's like, yeah, and by the way, like, I already know I want to work with you for six months, so can you give me that package? And I'm like, oh, now i got to, like, go to the drawing board and, like, put that package together. So. So you do want to have offerings that covers like both ends of the spectrum. So um, that's really how I come up with what I'm going to, you know, offer is is do I feel like what I have is comprehensive enough? Now, in terms of my um, income and just managing, you know, uh, my revenue, and it's funny because before I even got on this um, call with you, I was talking with my husband about like uh, cash flow management and projections and he's like, I'm going to do the spreadsheet for you. You know, I want you to see all this stuff. Um, I I gauge my income based on the offerings that are what I would consider like my foundational offerings. So things that I I know are always going to come in for me, a big thing um, that has been like, oh my goodness, so helpful, a lifesaver and something that I always recommend people look into, especially if you have an online business is having a sales funnel and a sales funnel is a it's, it's not like a real thing, like an actual tangible thing, but it's a process, a back-end process that you have in your business where uh, people can engage with some free content that you have, get on an email list that you have, get a part of a, an automated email sequence that is strategically inviting them to take advantage of an offering that you might have that is related to whatever the free thing is that they signed up for. And so you don't necessarily need just one sales funnel you can have a sales funnel for every product that you offer and so the big boys who are playing online that's typically how they're doing it and how they're hitting you know these five and sometimes six figures every month is because they have these massive sales funnels where they're getting thousands of people to engage with their content every month and they're selling you know whatever products on the back end so i have a few sales funnels I and mean, i continue to build them out for all of my products but i have a few that are really solid that bring me, you know, a few thousand every month that I don't really have to worry about. I know just as long as they're turned on and as long as all the links work, you know, everybody, you know, people go through them and they get their products and they're happy. It's automated. I don't have to deliver anything. The most I have to do is maybe like some customer service inquiries. Like someone says, hey, I bought this thing, but, you know, I the link is expired or something. Then I'm, you know, resetting the link for them, that sort of thing. So that helps me with, um, you know, some baseline numbers. And then I think about... Um, my coaching opportunity. So I work with a lot of clients, both for life coaching and for business coaching. And so I think about my own time capacity, how many clients can I take on every month in both arenas, in the business arena and in the personal development arena? And am I maxing out those spots every single month? And so while my sales funnels are kind of like my safety net, you know, the manual work is of me, prospecting, reaching out to people who have expressed interest in what I have to do, um, making offers to my community, sending out emails saying, hey, guys, I have four spots available in my you know, mentorship program this month. You know, uh, Sign up, use this application if you want to join. Um, and so inviting people to, um, to get into that process. And I can typically gauge how many, um, if I'm going to be able to fill all of those spots based on how many people I have applying for those spots to begin with. So obviously you talk to everybody and everybody's not going to sign up. You know, everybody might not be right for it or they're like, oh, you know, I want to do it, but this month's not good. Let's talk next month, that kind of thing. So I know, OK, if I can get 10 applications this month, there's a good I have a reasonable probability based on, uh, you know, my history and filling these programs that four people are going to go ahead and sign up for the program. And so that's how I basically gauge my income is one is the sales funnel working. And then two, am I making enough offers so that I'm getting enough prospects so that I am going to end up working with a portion of the people who apply. Got
1: it. And I'm glad you mentioned sales funnel because Mm -hmm. that leads me to this whole question of, you know, you really have a great relationship with your target audience. You seem to Mm -hmm. know exactly who they are, Mm-hmm. where to find them, and are continuing to grow it. How do you do that? I'm a member of your Facebook group, so obviously oh, awesome. I'm biased. <laughs> but yeah, how did you initially figure out who your target audience was, and how are you continuing to grow that community?
0: Oh, man. So if you can believe it, when I and you can ask some of the people who have been around with Think Grow Chicken in the beginning, um, I think, I don't know, I just say this because I feel like people don't um, they overlook like the obvious stuff because there's so many like gadgets and wizmos and different, like cool, super cool techniques to do online. But honestly, I sent emails in the beginning, especially when my email list was really small. And I said, Hey guys, I'm developing some new content coming up with some new products. I'm really excited. Um, but I want to know more about you and what you're struggling with. So if you're interested and having a 15 minute Skype call with me, like just reply to this email and we'll set it up. And I literally did Skype calls with like a good 20 women, maybe more. And these were not consultation calls. These were not like, Oh, you want to join my program? It was literally like, let's get on the phone for 15 minutes and I'm going to pick your brain about what you're dealing with. And so as I um, did that, I noticed that while people had different things that they were going through, some people were in grad school and had like self-doubt issues around Were they going to pass their exams? Other people were trying to move up in the career. Other people wanted to start business. I noticed that there were like themes running through the things that all of these women were telling me. And so I would literally take notes on all the calls. And so I started organizing everything that everybody said into certain categories. And then once I found out what those categories were, like say I heard from a lot of women that they, um, they have big goals, but they continue to doubt themselves, then I would keep my ears open for every time someone online mentions self-doubt at all. So even if somebody else, like even if another life coach, like let's say she came out with a blog post or a podcast all about self-doubt, I would read the comments to her posts to see what other people were saying. And if there was anybody in the comments thread that seemed like they would be a a part of my community or that they were kind of like the women that I was targeting, then I was taking notes on what they were saying. And so I was asking myself, you know, the problems that she's expressing are these things that I can solve. And if so, how? And so that's where um, you'll notice that that at that point in my business and, and my brand, I started creating a lot of different worksheets, um, pro- uh, my procrastination purge. And I mean, all of that was literally just me eavesdropping well, first asking people to, to give me, you know, what they were dealing with and then organizing all of that. And then eavesdropping elsewhere online to find out, you know, more deeply about that information and then creating free stuff, honestly, first, like my self-discipline program, which I would say is probably my best selling product to date. Like I've sold, like, I got to look at it, but I think it might be over $15,000 worth of that program. It's insane. Mm -hmm. That first started off as a free challenge that I did based on, again, eavesdropping and just hearing what people were listening or what they were dealing with. And the free challenge was so successful. I was like, how can I make this more robust and turn this into a paid product? And that's exactly what I did. So nice. That's my I yes. love the
1: concept of eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's right up my alley because I joke <laughs> with my friends that I'm a social media stalker,
0: <laughs> I like you. but, um, you have the skills already. <laughs> You're skills. A
1: natural. <laughs> How did you find those initial like 20 women to talk to? Were they people who found your blog and were on your email list through that?
0: Yeah, they were, they were already on my email list. Um, So this was at that time where I said I had maybe like 600 or so on my list. Um, I just, I just sent out emails like, Hey, y'all want to talk? But um, even if you don't have an email list, if you have any kind of content that people are engaging in, so they're leaving comments on your blog post, they're um, leaving comments on your podcast, they are commenting on your Facebook and on your Instagram. I would privately message those people back especially the ones that you you notice over and over again. So I feel like every brand has like their ride or dies where you know the names, like you see them, they comment on every post or, yeah. I would start private messaging your ride or dies and just saying like, hey, you know, I love your support and, you know, I just want to learn more about you. I think it's going to help me come up with, you know, even more content that will help you, which is true because that's part of the reason why you're doing it. And just say like, would you mind having like a 15 minute Skype call where I can just ask you some questions? And they'll probably like love that because they already love you and um then you get more information because you get to hear it in their own words and that's the important thing i think when you're on the other side and you're trying to provide something for people you as the expert even if you don't see yourself as an expert but even if you essentially are a few steps ahead of your audience so because you've already gone through it there are certain things that you are forgetting that you're missing that you don't think is a big deal and so sometimes it helps to have someone who's currently going through it right now feed their problem back to you in their own words, because then you're like, oh, one, I didn't know that she was struggling with that. And two, I didn't know that she described it in that way. Um, And that becomes very helpful when you're creating, you know, content in the future.
1: Absolutely.
0: So before we get into the lightning round,
1: I wanted to get your perspective a little bit on mastermind. So one of the things you attribute to your success is your mastermind group. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. What is a mastermind group to you and how did you identify your group members?
0: Yeah, so um, a mastermind is something that I first learned about when I was reading Think and Grow Rich. And um, really it's just a collection collection or group of like-minded individuals who are all aspiring to achieve various goals. And this group kind of holds them each other accountable and they bounce ideas off of each other. And, um, it's just like, everybody's like mental juices are flowing and it just creates, you know, amazing um, ideas. And you just tend to move faster when you are, um, connected with other people who are moving on the fast track as well. And so masterminds have been uh, so essential for me at every area of my business. I mean, and it doesn't have to be a big group, like a mastermind could be as big as like two people, like you and another person. And often in the beginning, that's exactly what it was. And so I think one thing that I've been um, very good at and that I recommend more entrepreneurs do, especially women entrepreneurs, is not have this mindset of, oh, she's doing something, so what I'm doing, therefore she's my competition. I never had that mindset. I know that we're all unique in our own ways. And so even if we do the same thing. Technically, we have our own flavor and our own spin to it. And so I was drawn to other women who are also in the space who were doing something similar. And I just developed relationships with them. And many of these women, um, I've had the opportunity to meet in person. But in the beginning, we had developed relationships over Skype, you know, for months before we both were in the same city and could actually say hi. And so it was really cool over Skype to mastermind with, you know, groups of women who were doing the same thing and just kind of bounce ideas. You know, if I learned something being able to share what I learned and them doing the same for me and us just holding each other accountable. Um, for instance, uh, and it's a back and forth thing too. Like I told you the one friend in the beginning who I would mastermind with, she was like, look, like you gotta get your email list up to 600. And so I was like, Oh, you know, okay. But because of her, I got down on that path. And now my email list, I have over 20,000 women on my email list. And so it was cool because now she's come back to me and she's like, yo, you took my advice and you ran with it. Like I need <laughs> I need to know what you're doing. And I'm like, no problem. And so I'm, I'm now in a position to give that information and that advice back. So it's this very fluid, like that's how it's different from mentorship. It's more like, peer, but you guys are like always passing information back and forth and like helping each other get to the next level.
1: Yeah. And
0: I attribute
1: even starting this podcast to my mastermind group. You know, I, myself, I meet monthly with a group. It's uh, four of us now of women and mm-hmm. that, they kind of came organically from my circle. So if they're women who want to start their own mastermind and don't know where to find, like-minded people, I would one recommend joining, uh, Courtney's think and grow chick Facebook group because there yeah. are a lot, <laughs> lot of like-minded women in that community. So definitely check that out. So now I want to transition into the lightning round of this podcast and yes. the drill is you answer the first thing that comes to mind. So you ready? Yes. All right. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the side hustle pro audience?
0: Oh, man, um, there are so many. So it's like, how can I choose? I would say my favorite is Trello. Trello is like, there's not a, oh, there's a few actually. Well, well, I'll give like, how about three? So um, Trello is something that I use every single day um and workflowy is something that i use every single day and an app called todoist is something that i use every single day and so we talk about how do you manage this if you have a job and how do you keep things going trello is like a fantastic project management tool that allows you to uh or- visually organize things um workflowy is like a list maker like on overdrive and so i outline all of my blog posts all of my podcasts all of my paid programs like nothing g- comes out into fruition before it's gone through workflowy because it allows me to like, just brain dump and then organize things in a way that makes sense. And so people always comment like, Oh, Courtney, I love your content. It's so clear and actionable. Well, that's because I've organized it and worked flowy to be that way. So <laughs> that's why I love that app. And then to do is, my favorite to do list. So um, a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, you have a gazillion different things to do, but you get caught up because they're all related to different projects. So you might have some things to do with building your email list, but then something else to do with networking and reaching out to this person. And so if you just write on pen and paper, Paper, it can kind of feel like a jumbled mess because you don't know what's the priority and you're not quite, quite sure. You can't remember what it's tied to. To do is really cool because you can organize all your to do list by like various projects that you can create, and so you'll know at an instant you might have five things that got to get done today. Your day, you know, got shot, and so now you only have time to do one. You can quickly identify which of those things is actually the highest priority based on the number one thing you got to get done or you got to move forward in your business. So Trello. Workflowy to do Todoist. And I'll link to all of those in the show
1: notes, guys. So number two, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly
0: in your business? Getting up early, hands down. How do you do it? (laughs) You gotta do it. People hate when I say it. They're like, no, I'm a night person. I'm like, I feel you. I was one of those people that didn't wake up and that stayed in bed until like 10, 30, 11 on the weekends and didn't wake up until five minutes before I had to be somewhere, but you just have to do it. And so How I got started was I kind of backed myself into the time that I needed to wake up in increments. So in the beginning where it was a struggle for me to get up at 7 a.m., I would like for a week just force myself to, when my eyes open at 7 a.m., put your feet on the floor. Like that was the only thing. Even if I went back to bed later, I just needed to get in the habit of putting my feet on the floor. And then it was like, okay, put your feet on the floor and actually stand up. And so you train yourself that when your eyes open, when the alarm clock goes off, you actually get up once you're consistently getting up as soon as the alarm clock goes off, then you can set it back in five or 10 minute increments every week. So seven o'clock soon became 6:50 became six forty five, six forty five, six thirty five. And, you know, within a matter of months, I was waking up at five a.m. and it was no problem because I kind of like gradually eased myself into it.
1: Ah, that's a nice process. I will try that as well. I do get up early, but um the snooze button is my friend, so we're working on it. <laughs> Number 3, what's the best book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year?
0: I'll give you both. So, the best book that I've read this year is actually The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Um and it's kind of funny, obviously I'm a big fan of his. I read Think and Grow Rich. But I've had um, The Laws of Success for a while. I think I bought it at the same time that I bought Think and Grow Rich, but I never read it because this book is literally like 700 pages. It's like, who's got time to read that? Mm-hmm. However, here's a little tip for everybody. Um, I found that the ebook, or I'm sorry, the audiobook of The Law of Success was available for free on Spotify. And if you search for audiobooks on Spotify, you'll find a lot of them. And so I think I listened to the entire Laws of Success in a week when I was like working out at the gym And that book is so good. Like, I honestly think it's better than Thinking Grow Rich. It's like really amazing. So I definitely recommend that people read or listen to The Laws of Success. And then a new podcast um, that I've discovered that I'm really enjoying is Eric Thomas, uh, who's also known as the E.T., the Hip Hop Preacher. Yes. He's got a podcast and... I mean, I love everything this man puts out. He's so aggressive and just like on it, but it's called the secret to success podcast. And I mean, he's got some really, really good episodes. So I definitely recommend people check out that. Okay.
1: And how does one break into and stand out in the personal development space? Now, I know even since you got started, it's become even more crowded. So Uh what tips do you have?
0: I would say think about um, what attracts you to it and what's your unique quality that you can offer to the space and also what's a gap that you notice. So when I got started, um, I was, would sit in Barnes and Nobles for like 10 hours a day and like read Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and all these different books. And I mean, they were good and I would get super pumped up and I would go home. But then I wouldn't, like, do the actual things that they said to do, or I would just feel motivated, and then, you know, there was nothing really actionable. And so I remember thinking to myself almost out loud that if I ever figured out this personal development game, I was going to, one, present it in a way that was easy for, like, women like me, so, you know, young, millennial, like, you know, cool, we like things kind of in a certain way, um, presented in a way that was understandable and relatable to us, but also I was committed to breaking things down. And part of that is because because you know, I do kind of have an engineer's mind. Like, Even though I, I didn't go uh, pursue engineering, I you know dropped out and went to marketing. Uh, part of the reason why I initially had a good aptitude for it was because I am an analytical thinker. I am intensely practical. I do like to break things down. So that was me applying who I am and then just what irked me about what was currently going on in personal development and saying, well, you know what? I'm going to do it the millennial way. So I told myself I would be like, tracy ellis ross meets tony robbins and then two (laughs) i would break it down in such a way that it would be crystal clear super actionable and that people could actually get results they wouldn't just be motivated and then you know have the motivation fizzle out so that was kind of how i differentiated myself because i saw something that wasn't being done in the space and just decided to be the one to do it so i would say think about what is what makes you passionate about personal development what kind of Uh, aggravates you about the way people are currently doing personal development. What's unique about you, your background, just your, your strengths, and how can you kind of mix all of that? And like, you know, your own little uh, magic formula that you can apply on the industry and then use that to set yourself apart. And finally, as Think and Grow Chick, what's your
1: parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck?
0: Oh, man. Um, One, understand that you can do it. And even if things don't work out, like, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that could happen is that you have to temporarily go back and get a different job. And despite what people will say about the economy and all of this stuff, there are jobs everywhere. And even you mentioned Myleek in our um, masterclass. She said at the time when she was breaking out into entrepreneurship, everybody was saying, and I think this was during the housing crisis, everybody was saying like, oh my goodness, employment numbers are horrible. Like you don't want to do that. You, You know, you can't get a job if you have to come back. You know, unemployment is 20%. And she was like, why are we focusing on the negative? If 20% of the people are unemployed, then that means 80% of the people have jobs, and so it's the same way. Despite what people will tell you, jobs are exceedingly abundant in our in our economy. You can always get one if you want one. So don't let that fear make you feel like you can't step out because if it doesn't work out, then you know heaven forbid you won't have a job. Like trust me, you can find one. Um, but then second, I would say invest in um, the education. And not just like uh, signing up for courses or coaches or whatever, but I think one gap that I see a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the beginning failing at is they don't accurately diagnose what it is that they need for their business. So um, spend a lot of time actually before you make an investment in a program, in a coach, or even before you invest in a tool or a VA or whatever it is you think you need for your business to get really clear on what is the one thing that you're missing that's going to get you to the next level. And what's something that is going to fill that gap for you and then commit to it. So, you know, accurately diagnose. And then if you decide, okay, my issue is that um, I don't have a large enough email list or I'm not super visible, devote your time, your attention and your money to just figuring out that problem and commit to those commit to whatever path you choose until you figure it out. Like I see too many people jumping from thing to thing to thing, like, oh, I signed up for this program because it's going to teach me this. And then I signed up for this because it's going to teach me that. And then they wonder why, you know, they're not moving forward. So Mm -hmm. diagnose yourself accurately and then, you know, drill deep and make the necessary investments, whether that's financial or time wise or, you know, whatever you need to do to get that gap covered. Thank you. Such good advice. So (laughs) finally, what's next
1: for Courtney and what's the best way to stay in touch with you after this episode?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's so much um, that I'm going to be coming out with in 2017. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm looking to do um, a monthly membership for people who are on this conversation and on this journey. So, you know, building their business, something that's really affordable that, you know, they can kind of get the support that they need on a monthly basis. So I'll be rolling out with that, which is going to be fun. I'll be doing more in-person events. So this year was like a huge travel year for me, speaking engagements. Um, So I'm going to be launching a lot of my own think and grow chick branded events in various cities. So definitely look out for that. And um, yeah, I just got like a ton in store. So if you want to be a part of it, I would recommend that everybody go to thinkandgrowchickcom slash join. And from there you can join my accountability group, um, which is the Facebook group where we have over 4,000 like-minded women who are all very serious about their goals. And then as well, you'll be on my email list and you'll be the first to be notified about all this cool stuff that I have coming down the pipe. Awesome. And the best way to keep in touch with you, you can follow me on Instagram. I would say I really Instagram is where I hang out the most. So my handle on Instagram is think T-H-I-N-K the letter in and then grow G-R-O-W chick C-H-I-C-K. Um, so yeah, say hi to me on Instagram.
1: All righty. And with that, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair, Courtney. It's been extremely educational and valuable. Oh, it was a joy being here. Awesome. Alrighty, and there you have it. Hey guys.